Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. That's a choir of several hundred people from around the world singing Christ the Lord is Risen Today. It's one of Charles Wesley's many hymns. The song, this version in particular, was cause for celebration back on April 10, 2020, Easter Sunday. It had been about a month or so since the lockdown caused by the outbreak of COVID-19, and recognizing that it wasn't safe for choirs to get together to sing, the United Methodist Church invited people to sing this beloved song of resurrection and triumph over death. The numerous voices were recorded, put together and edited so the participants sounded like a single choir. Most of us probably didn't realize then that we wouldn't have choirs singing in a church for a long, long time. As I record this episode, it's mid-October six months since Easter and seven months since the coronavirus pandemic caused such disruption in our lives. Kudos to all the churches and pastors, often supported by laity, who learned to adapt to technology and circumstances of our times to record sermons and entire worship services to help people stay connected to their Creator. We broadcasted important messages about the love and hope provided via a relationship with Jesus Christ in our pastor's sermons. We prayed together and read liturgy responsibly. But we've missed the music. Oh sure, sometimes we've had bell choirs, sometimes soloists, instrumental pieces, and more. But we've missed our choirs. It simply hasn't been safe to have people gather together and then to sing out loud and thus spreading germs. Music is important to the worship experience. Here's Reverend Amy Lippolt. She's the lead pastor at St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Papillion, Nebraska. That's a suburb on the southwest quadrant of the Omaha metro area. Music feels pretty central to me to what we do in worship. I suppose there are times when we do have short worship services without music, but it's pretty rare. And... I would say that's because music carries emotion and spirituality that goes beyond words. So it's pretty um, essential to our worship life to have some sort of a musical expression. I wholeheartedly agree with Amy Lippold. Time for a true confession. I have not a bone of musical talent in my body. My son is a gifted percussionist. Our daughter at least knows how to play the bells. But my wife, another Amy, Reverend Amy Seifert, she's the one with the talent in our household. She can sit down and play a piece on the piano at first glance. 
She's built choirs in several churches and led a choir from a church start we served out in Utah on amazing trips to share their talents in New York City, Washington, D.C., twice, in France, where they sang on Normandy Beach on the 4th of July, and in Rome. I greatly appreciate musical talent, mostly because I don't have any myself. And while I'm much more into praise band music than old-style hymns, I completely understand why people miss the choir. It turns out there's more to it than music. Here again is Amy Lippold. My experience has always been that the choir is full of such loyal, committed church people, that so often the choir is also full of committee chairs and people who volunteer for things and people who give generously, and they just are, they just are um, deeply invested in the life of the church. And also then choirs generally are a really beautiful expression of community and connection. So when we don't have choir, it's more than just that three and a half minute anthem that we're missing in worship. We're definitely missing that, but we're also missing this gathering time of central church members and their friendships and their mutual support of one another and their spiritual community and their leadership in terms of being able to express that in worship. Um, so there's a whole lot that goes along with those Wednesday night choir rehearsals and Sunday morning practices before worship than just, like I said, that three and a half minute anthem. Many churches miss their choirs. Few have been able to do anything about it. In this episode of In Layman's Terms, I want to tell you a story. A story about how lay people came together to figure out the logistics and technology needed to get their choir together, despite the pandemic. Together, we'll learn how St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Papillion, Nebraska put together their own virtual choir. Let's start with John Hewitt, director of the church's chancel choir. He explained that despite Papillion St. Paul's wealth of musical talent, the week in the life of the church pre-COVID-19 probably looked a lot like it did for other churches at that time. Wednesday evening choir rehearsals, complete with a time for chit-chat and catching up. There was a 15-minute warm-up on Sunday morning before helping lead worship with an anthem, leading hymns, and other musical components. John has served as a leader in the church's musical program for 19 years, and as if he hasn't seen enough in the time spent in that role, he's been a public school band teacher for 34 years just across the border in Iowa, where he lives. Suffice it to say, COVID-19 created myriad problems for him in both roles. Our school, of course, was closed as well. So I was just sitting there with, you know, trying to do online band, which is really, really difficult. At that point, school was not required. It was highly, you know, encouraged for the kids, but there was nothing like it is now. There is, I mean, to prepare, and we're finding out, to prepare online teaching and learning is quite, quite a deal. And I know in Iowa, you, you take courses and things to do that. And there's only like two or three schools prior to the pandemic that were actually certified online schools. So the rest of us were trying to wing it as we were going along. So it was frustrating with that. I mean, we were, we were just trying to make it go. Church, of course, was, was closed. Um, just not a lot, not a lot going on. Eventually, we we talked about maybe trying rehearsal 
with me and Barb, our piano player, our outstanding piano player at church, then the others just linking in at their houses or wherever and trying to conduct and rehearse. But of course, we found that doesn't work with the timing of the different equipment that people would have. And so we were doing, and people are coming in, I can't hear, we can't, this is what, what? So it was, okay, let's sneak out and let them just ponder, no. It was very, very interesting. So we found that didn't work. And a band director in Iowa was putting together at this time a virtual band performance. He had a piece of music that he sent to all the teachers knowing that we were cooped up and couldn't work with our kids. He's got us a link to a site. We got the music. And if the kids wanted to do it, I think I had one or two do it. You recorded it, you rehearsed it, recorded it and sent it in. And I think I talked to Amy and our wonderful tech chairperson, Becky, about that. And maybe that would be something to explore. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a really, and then to see all the different ones, because I tell people, I see if you see something out there, that's because they've usually recorded with a track and with something in their ear. It's basically not just rehearsing together and putting, I mean, there's some major, major play of, of technology going on with these. So we eventually kind of talked about trying it and and I don't remember why or how it ever came to be, but I know we miss it. The, the singers miss it, the congregation misses it. Um, and I certainly, I mean, it's a just a wonderful time of the week to go over there both on Sunday and Wednesdays to A, see everybody, because I don't get to see them on a regular basis other than since I'm way over here. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been pretty cool to experiment and do that. Of course, getting a group of people together to sing an anthem and to make it sound good takes time and effort. But to create a virtual choir, even more was needed beyond people with top-notch musical skills. Luckily for Papillion St. Paul, it had its own in-house tech guru. I don't remember who actually suggested it first. I, In retrospect, I kind of hope it wasn't me, but it may have been. That's Becky Hoke. She's the director of tech arts for the church. But you have to understand her day job. She teaches media classes in American history in the Papillion La Vista School District. But that's not all. So I lead the media academy for the Papillion La Vista Community Schools. And basically, about 12 years ago, I took over a club that had dwindled to a membership of three students. and now run an academy that ranges on any given year from 50 to 75 students. Um, we live stream every football game from the district stadium with commentary, replay, full graphics package. Um, we do a number of volleyball games. We try to do softball. We're having internet issues at the fields this year. Um, we do basketball games. Um, we do three track meets in the spring, including a live remote camera over at the field events across the stadium. Um, we do feature packages for businesses. We do advertisement. Um, we were in the midst of a documentary about the 150th year of Papillion's cityhood uh, before the end times began last March with COVID. Um, and so basically I was a history teacher and uh, God knocked and I opened that door and it turned out to be um, French doors and a gale that blew me into a whole new world. So I got my journalism endorsement through Kent State University online and have been learning nonstop about first Final Cut in the Mac world and then we transitioned to the Adobe Suite 
and um, I'm working on certifications in that software now. So Becky is a busy person. She said she is continually in a learning mode, and that paid dividends when the idea of a virtual choir surfaced. I had seen a number of virtual choirs go across social media. Um, I work closely with the arts department at the high school and our own choir directors had spoken to me about trying to do something. And with them, my answer was, I, I don't think so. Because what they asked was, is there software that just does that for you? And I think that we had that discussion at the church as well. And by then I had researched and found out that no, there is no software that just does that for you. Um, so when it came up, my initial reaction was, yeah, we can do that, absolutely. The trick is gonna be working with the choir members to get them to send us quality video. Uh, because the very first one we did was in the height of the lockdown, where we were afraid to be anywhere near each other. We were hardly at the church if we didn't have to be. Um, so us filming them or going to their homes was going to be out of the question. So we needed to figure out how to um, transfer the files, how to get them clear enough instructions that they could execute it, knowing that the majority of the church members are uh, significantly less comfortable with uh, technology than, than younger folks are. Um, but knowing that they have a passion for singing and um, for worshiping and expressing their love of the Lord through song and knowing that they would have the will to, to follow through. And so we committed to giving it a shot. And the first rehearsal was awful. This isn't a story about how easy this kind of thing is. Quite the opposite, actually. No, no, wait. This isn't a story about difficulty either. It's a story about perseverance and about worshiping the risen Savior thanks to that perseverance. The virtual choir has put together three songs so far. It was the third one, from mid-September. That's the one that caught my attention on Facebook. Becky Hope continues to tell us about that first rehearsal. I may have not spoken clearly enough to be understood, but the idea was that we would zoom out the pianist and conductor and the choir members would be on the Zoom and listening in and um, singing along without unmuting themselves. Some of them unmuted themselves. And so we had to, we had to squelch that because if you've ever had a meeting with more than one person talking at a time, you know how that turns out. Um, and then what we didn't really take into account was the varying internet speeds at all of their homes. And so almost immediately, some of them were complaining that things were lagging and the video would hang on their feed. Um, others were saying that the piano was cutting out and we were trying to give them the best audio possible. So we were actually running the audio through our um, soundboard and then back into the computer. And that, um, that may have been sending them too much sound. Uh, we might've been better off without doing that. So as we worked through that, we decided if we were ever going to do it again, what we would do would be just to stream to them like we do an ordinary service and see if that would work better. What they would lack then is the seeing each other and the time where we take a break and they tell each other stories and get that sense of community out of the choir. So I said, well, we can stream to them and we can also join the Zoom and we put them up on um, one of the screens for the accompanist and choir director to see. Here's where the logistics obstacles become taller and taller to overcome. John Hewitt directs choirs and school orchestras, 
He's used to making eye contact with the people in front of him. But now he's in a room. He's in a room with just himself and an accompanist. Oh, well, there is that camera. Becky, again, our, our tech person who is outstanding, and her crew upstairs, that we say they're up in the balcony, they do outstanding, and they prepped us, and they prepped us more each time, but she had a nice handout that it gave it to everybody. So when we're, we're rehearsing, well, we're, I'm, we're recording, so Barb, our piano player is playing, and so then I'm just directing and, of course, looking at the camera. So that's been the biggest thing of, I like to look around the, the, or the choir or look at my music, more importantly, as I'm directing. And for this, it's just right at the camera. And I, as you can tell, I'm, very, I'm happy. I love comedy. I love keeping things light when it's appropriate and be serious when it's time. But uh, that was, we had a couple of different takes when, because it was just me directing and Barb playing. And I chose music that we, we knew. So the first one we did was Twilight Paris, but it was a pretty nice one that did have a lot of sectional things, pretty solid. And they, we have done it. We have August and June tunes that we, we sing because we don't rehearse, but we still sing in the, for the congregation. So we have a little library of summertime favorites that we pull out and we can get through. So that was one of them. And I, I love connecting. I've had people say, it's so fun to follow you when, when they do look up that because uh, I, I conduct band and I point I had a bass player years ago he said John it's so cool to watch you point to things because that's I mean I'm, I'm a band director also so as you, I'm used to doing that so I was trying to you know without looking at anybody trying to cue entrances and releases because some of those you'll hear there's some different s's and t's of course that happens on a regular Sunday as well too but um but just the conducting just with the piano player but being visual to the choir and the camera. So the musicians and the director are in place. Now comes the logistics of actually recording the singers. And that wasn't easy. Becky Hoke explains. So we, um, we were pretty successful with the first one. And the second one we did, and we recorded two at that very first session, we brought in um, both the accompanist and the, and the director and recorded, the pianist played, each part. So we sent out two recordings for each voice, one that was just their part, and then one is this full accompaniment. And they needed to download their voice and the full accompaniment, practice with their voice part, and then record while listening to the full accompaniment. And we were pretty specific in the instructions. We said, Fix your camera at a set height about your eye level. Make sure that it's horizontal. Um, make sure that you record plenty before you start singing and plenty after you sing. And compliance with our guidelines. Oh, and don't put yourself in front of a window. Make sure it's level. Um, compliance was maybe 60%. So we had some interesting video to work with. We had some folks who very clearly had recorded to their voice part because what we did before the accompaniment track is I counted off and had them clap up in front of their faces so that we would have an easy way to sync the video. And it's almost impossible for anybody to clap if the accompaniment that they're listening to doesn't tell them to. And so we had numerous folks who sent me in a video that didn't have them clapping. And so those were 
interesting to sync. Um, even though the pianist was playing with a metronome in her ear, every track was just a skosh different at some point. And so um, things were a little off by the time we got to the end. But again, there were only maybe two entrances in the song altogether. And I was able to massage it in the editing process and have everybody come in at the same time. So remember, this is a learning process. Becky goes on to share what adaptations were made for the second attempt at recording a song for Sunday Morning Worship. For the second song we did, there were a lot more entrances and pauses and maybe a, a three-quarter rest or a full measure rest, and then people were coming in, and it was very obvious that numerous folks had not recorded to the right track and had not recorded with the video because we put together the audio with the video of John conducting and they weren't watching that. They were just listening to the audio version. One of the members in that choir is the lead pastor herself, Reverend Amy Lippold. She shares something the worship team learned about song selection and performing without a director standing right in front of the singers. What's tricky on a thing like that is, and this, I mean, this happens in regular choirs too, is that, you know, entrances and exits can be so messy. People start too late or they, um, they cut off too late or they cut off too early or whatever. And at least with the director right in front of you, there's a little bit of like, hey, this guy's waving his hand and he just cut you off. Uh, so the second song we did especially had a lot of uh, sort of more specific timing and it was pretty messy, the entrances and exits. So part of it we've learned is song selection. Not every song goes as well with a virtual choir as, as every other one. I think the one you saw was actually the third one that we've done. We've done three. And we've been learning along the way a little bit about how to make the instructions a little clearer. And uh, it's, 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 been, it's been a big effort. They look so beautiful when you, when you see them on, on, um, on, online. It's like, oh, that was a nice little short piece. But the amount of work that goes in behind it for the singers, for the director and accompaniments to, to record, um, and then uh, for the tech people to put it together. And part of that was a learning curve for her. She'd never edited audio like that. And inevitably, there's one person who just doesn't get it recorded well. And you have to really make choices about <laughs> how they get included in the final audio. So exactly how long did it take to edit all those videos together? Well, here's Becky Hoke with the answer. 65 hours, maybe. There were times I sort of lost track. I wasn't always good about writing down when I would start. And then there were times where my husband would come out at two in the morning. What are you doing? And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm about to get a breakthrough. It's two in the morning, come to bed. So I, somewhere between 65 and 75 hours. My rule of thumb with the students that I teach is always for every minute of finished video, it's gonna take you a minimum of one and shouldn't take you more than two hours to finish. So how many people did we have in that first one? Maybe 16? So that's 16 times three, so 48 minutes of video, right? Two hours a piece would be 90. So I was right in the range. You just, you just can't think about, actually it was 18 when you count the hands on the piano and the conductor. So you, you, can't, you can't look at it as just the three minutes because it's all of those videos over the three minutes. But it wasn't just the tech team willing to put in the time. Here's a fun story from Amy Lippel. 
had a church member, not on this last one, but the one before, who um, struggled so much with the tech, with uh, coordinating how to get it recorded. And she ended up recording something like 37 times before she got one she was willing to send to us. I don't know how many hours it took her, but that was perseverance. I was like, you are, you are committed to the worship life of this church. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, so it's taken a lot of commitment from a lot of people. So many details. Let's pause here for a short break. When we come back to in layman's terms, we'll learn more about the lessons learned, seeing the process from the participants' point of view, and what the reaction was from the congregation. All that and more right after this. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. How does your church celebrate big events? How does it gather the community together? How does it sometimes introduce you to people you might not have known? Many times in the Great Plains, it's with a potluck dinner. And that's what we try to do with our podcast, Potluck. This is David Burke from the Great Plains Conference and host of Potluck, where we do, in audio form, all the things a potluck dinner does. Celebrate big events, gather the community, and introduce you to new and interesting people. Listen to Potluck, available at greatplainsumc.org. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Today, we're learning about the tremendous effort taken by the worship and tech teams at St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Papillion, Nebraska, to create anthems from a virtual choir. So far, we've learned about how the idea came to fruition and a little about the first couple of attempts. As I shared earlier, Amy Lippolt, the church's pastor, sings in the choir, so she has some firsthand knowledge of how this whole process looked to the choir members. I asked her what her experience was like. It was, it was probably a little bit of mixed reaction. Part of it is it's slightly horrifying to watch yourself sing. <laughs> so I think it's a little hard to not like focus on yourself and be, can I hear myself? Am I on pitch? Uh, trying to pick out, uh, you know, all the different voices that you're hearing. John Hewitt decided he also would sing as well as direct for one of the songs. Thanks to the virtual choir, he could actually be in two places at once. He gained an even higher level of appreciation for his choir members as a result. So I said, I'll do one for this, the third round. And I looked at the directions, Todd, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> A, 
where everybody's so busy and, and our, you know, band director scales and family and thing. I looked at that and went, uh, what? So I was, I immediately emailed everybody said, thank you everybody who has done this because this takes some effort. But all that effort paid off. Even though the first attempt wasn't as good as the ones to follow, seeing the finished product gave the participants, actually the entire congregation, reason to do something they hadn't had a chance to do much of since the pandemic set in. Celebrate. Here's choir director John Hewitt. The first time I heard it, I think they might have sent it to me before, but even so at the service, I was sitting, I get goosebumps now just talking about it. I was sitting up on the chancel area with my saxophone. I got to that time that they played it. And I was just set because I have a screen for the video, a little screen behind, but then the two big screens. So I looked at one of them and I just stared the whole time. And I had my mask on and I was beaming and from behind the mask, I just wanted to go, wow! It was so, I, I was so refreshed. It was such, it was exhilarating. I just wanted to call out to all of them right then and there and say, look, at this, this is awesome. Again, we're not pros. You know, we have a wide variety of talent. We, we got, some, got some leaders, but as you know, in a choir, we have all range. It takes everybody in a church choir to do it, to share their talents. Um, and I was just so, so impressed with them and thank them wholeheartedly. And I was all ready to do the next one. Again, I didn't have to do much, but I was ready for the next one, by all means, certainly, yes. Very positive. Again, here's Reverend Amy Lippold. Uh, I was definitely very, so impressed with our tech team. And uh, that first one, especially Becky, kind of kept me informed on the way along. So she would send me audio files as she was trying to put it together. Uh, so I kind of, I got to witness a little bit of the sausage being made and, and realized just how difficult it was. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I was impressed. I also was a little, um, you know, asking the questions, how can we make it better? Cause some of the problems were obvious, more obvious to me probably cause I've been involved in the setting it up and such. So doing a lot of strategizing with, with John and with Becky both about what could we do differently next time to help. But what I did love is how church members responded to it. There was just a lot of joy that Sunday that we premiered the first one in worship. And uh, then I posted it on Facebook and we posted it on the YouTube channel. And there was just a lot of joy. I, people were really heartened to see their choir, you know, and, and, and they got to see, you know, 15 or 17 members faces that they maybe hadn't seen. And, so it was a really great community moment for us, which that's what made me happiest, even more so than the kind of the finished project, is it, is it felt like a really great uh, congregational and community moment for us. Nobody was as pleased for that first attempt to be completed than Becky Hoke. The first one was a major sense of relief um, because I knew it could be done. Um, I knew I could do it. I burned out at a certain point and one of my staff members stepped in and did the lyrics for me and said, I, I got this, <laughs> just take it. And, and he also helped me with the math, um, figuring out how to divide the, the screen and make everybody fit and proportional and zooming in their shots or zooming them out to make them all look about the same. And that first one was not where I wanted to be visually. So by the third one, I went in with a lot more confidence 
Um, I think the final product sounds better and looks better. Um, I got better at color balancing. I spent some time on the phone with a former student learning a little bit about some of the audio tweaks that I used in Premiere and um, some of the enhancements and effects that I did. Um, in the first one, all I did was just take some audio tracks and double them. I just copied Todd's audio and laid it in there again. Um, but the third one, I didn't do that at all because I had learned enough about effects to, to really improve the process and kind of um, get that choral sound. I, I think it sounds better, just not in terms of how they performed, but just the overall fullness of the sound. part that was only video. Nobody could record and listen only. So hopefully they were watching for those attacks and cutoffs. And then we had been having increasing difficulty with folks sending us their files. And what happened is we used a file server that was pretty well recommended through a lot of the blogs. And as folks started going back to school and work around the world, um, the servers, which were housed in India, was at the height of the pandemic in India and schools are coming online, businesses are coming back online and the servers were becoming unresponsive repeatedly. And so we were kind of scrambling to try and send these video files which are too large to ever attach to an email. Though some folks managed to send me some and um, by the time I enlarged them enough, they looked pretty gruesome, but we went with it. Count the um, pixels, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure how that, how that worked. Um, so we said, all right, well, things are safer now. We at least think we know more about COVID-19. Um, we had, we have lay people back singing and doing the liturgy in church. So would it be okay if we scheduled folks in 15 minute blocks to come in, come straight downstairs, this nice quiet room, got good lighting, we can control things, we can put headphones on them, set the laptop up right in front of them so they can watch, and they'll sing into our high quality mic and record them. And it was much easier to edit by far. It easily saved me 10 to 12 hours in the editing process because I knew what I was working with. There were only two non-compliant uh, participants who sent in videos where they hadn't clapped, and they were pretty obvious in the editing process um, and only one who didn't do a horizontal video so that also made it much easier and it was the biggest choir we had because we took out that 
technology hurdle for them by offering the recording because it's it's hard to you know so i have to have this device to record on and i'm watching this device and which one is better to record on and how do i send it and what do i do with the files and what and it can be very overwhelming so um, we really are excited to do some more of them where we can offer this and uh, take that technology obstacle out of the way I asked Becky Hoke to give our listeners a few tips she's learned along the way as she's edited these three songs for the virtual choir. I'm going to let her remarks go a little bit longer than I usually do here, but it's because she's learned so much and she's got so much good advice to give you to anyone who wants to try this kind of project. Control as many of the elements as you can. Um, The simplicity of the song is key, very key. Um, it needs to be a song that your choir is familiar with and that they have sung and sung and sung together. So it's not the time to introduce some new orchestrations and some new arrangements, um, tried and true by far. Um, control the recording if you can. If you have the time, the manpower, the equipment to offer them kind of a recording booth where they can come in and listen to what you've got for them and you can record them and say things like that was pretty good would you would you like to try it again we almost never use the first take anytime we're recording anything for a project um just give them the confidence and the comfort that you're not judging them you just want them to help you want to help produce the best result possible for them allow yourself time oh my goodness allow yourself plenty of time and forgiveness as you're editing and allow yourself at least two weeks of editing time. Um, If you're putting in two or three hours a day, allow yourself three weeks of editing time. And by all means, expect it to take way longer than you want it to, or that you feel like it should. Um, Feel free to get up and walk away from it. When it has ticked you off, when you just cannot listen to that phrase anymore, and be prepared to be ultimately wedded to that song for a month. It will be the only earworm in your life for weeks on end. Um, And then when it's done, let it go. Step back and enjoy it, and don't keep nitpicking it. Don't um, keep wanting to go back and tweak it. It is finished, you exported it, you're done. Note what can be improved and move forward. You don't have to start big. You could very easily do this with a quartet or a trio or a sextet and learn those skills and hone those skills when it's fewer people's time invested. And you can talk to them first and say, I don't know when this will be done. Because that's one big thing is the folks, they put in the time, they put in their rehearsal time, they recorded. Now when do I get to see it? And if you, if you coach those folks up front and say, give me time, I got to figure this out and don't tell everybody that it's going on. And then it's much lower risk, much less investment and a bigger safety net for you as you're jumping into the world of virtual choir. Yes, this has been a lot of work, but the joy it's brought to the people of St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Papillion, Nebraska clearly has been worth it. And everyone who had a part to play in taking the virtual choir from idea to reality deserves two big thumbs up. Really, really well done. I want to give the last word to Reverend Amy Lippold. I don't think, Todd, though, that I realized either that what we were doing was that unique. I sort of imagined everybody was going to do virtual choirs. So when we did that first one, 
uh, I thought, oh, this was the learning curve and we're gonna keep rolling and do a monthly. I thought we'd do a monthly and that we're gonna see everybody else's virtual choir. Well, turns out that's not happening. Like <laughs> I've seen very few others from local churches and just for us too, I think we've managed three in six months and we're probably not gonna do another one. Uh, maybe Christmas, maybe before then, but just we have some other projects we wanna work on too. So um, I don't think at the beginning I quite realized that it wasn't gonna be something we could ramp up really quickly. It's amazing how much effort and tech and work has to go into to making that presentation. So the one now the ones that I see online that are flawless, where everybody's lips match and the sound is so beautiful, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they pull that off? Especially when it's with kids. I don't know if you've seen some of the like kids choirs. How did they do that? It's just it's amazing. Since I spoke to these folks back in September, they have at least one more song planned for Advent or Christmas Eve. That's still a little bit up in the air, but it's in the planning stages right now. I want to say thank you to my guests for this episode, Reverend Amy Lippolt, Choir Director John Hewitt, and Tech Director Becky Hoke, all from St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Papillion, Nebraska. You can see the virtual choir performance on the church's Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash stpaulspapillion.org, no period, no apostrophe, or you can see it on their YouTube channel. Search for St. Paul's UMC Papillion. Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifer. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.